So, are we allowed to launch a new logo today? Well, not quite, because it's not quite ready. It just needs one little tiny adjustment. Does it? Yes. I've I've got too much hair in it. <laughs> Do you think? <laughs> yeah. yeah I thought you looked quite macho, actually. And appropriately enough, your head is bigger than mine. So <laughs> that made me laugh. The, the, the listeners will have to wait and slightly to find out what we're talking about. But, uh, yeah, uh, it's almost ready. Well, it's tremendously almost exciting. Anyway, we can't stop. I've got to go out and there's a big show ahead. Well, let's get on with it. Well, thank you. Welcome everybody to episode 81 of the Mid-Faith Crisis podcast. Uh, my name is Nick Page. And guess what? Can you guess? Yeah. Yes, I'm I'm joined by Joe Davis. Who's just happy to hang around with an esteemed author. Uh, esteemed author, I think is the phrase, <laughs> okay. not esteemed. <laughs> okay. You've got a slight author. sore throat, I've just have realised. Have you? Well, have yeah. a glass of water because you've got to do a lot of talking tonight. Other than that... Hmm... How's things I'm all going? Right. Yeah, I'm all right. I'm a bit tired, but I'm, I'm okay. I, this weather is just getting me slightly down. Yes. Oh, uh, yeah. It, it well, being it, August, obviously in the UK, it's raining. It's practising for my holiday at the beginning of September. I think it's fine. Yes. I don't yes. even care because I'm going to Cornwall. I'm going to be in the sea, so I'm going to get wet. Bring it on. That's what I say. Yeah. Hey, when are you going on holiday then? Uh, well, a couple of weeks' time. Oh, I'm going a holiday a week later. We're probably going to have to take a little break, I think. Okay. I'm just warning the listeners. from each other? May... Well, that, a yeah. trial separation, oh, obviously. But uh, I'm just warning you. the listener, we may have to we may have to sort of mm. have a slight break in the Good. schedule. Well, the listener won't but mind. I'm sure they'll No, understand. they won't. Yeah. Yeah. They can go on holiday as well. They can come with us if they want. <laughs> they can. If they're really desperate. Yeah. I don't recommend it. But... Anyway. Oh, hang on. Talking of meeting us... Yes. I ought to apologise because last week I spoke about going to New Wine. Yeah. And uh, I met uh, a couple of podcast listeners. Oh, did you? Uh, including the lovely Lisa. Oh, we know, but also another Lisa. podcast listener. And I'm going to really apologise. I think I think his name was Paul. Very nice man. I do apologise if I got his name wrong. I think it's Paul. Hello, Paul. Hey. I'm now going to call you Paul, whatever. Yeah. And hello, Martin, who I bumped into at Rob Bell last night. Oh, Great to see. And there's a few other people whose names I just didn't quite remember, but yeah, it's lovely. Yeah, okay. Anyway, well, it's very nice to meet listeners. And that's yes, it is. It's always good. So, you've been to Rob Bell? I did go to see Rob Bell last night. He was, yeah, he was great. Very good. Some great stuff on Ecclesiastes. That was the absolute highlight of the evening. I mean, he's the kind of guy who can make the phone directory sound quite interesting because he's a yes. good communicator. Yes, a and, you know, the, the jokes were fine and the fluff was, you know, around the content was great, you know, entertaining. But his content on Ecclesiastes was really quite brilliant, I thought. So, yeah, fair play to him. Well worth a watch if you get a chance to uh, okay. to go see him. And, of course, lovely to bump into the odd listener. So that was good. But it comes mm-hmm. away. As always, I come away from there just thinking, oh, man, this is so good. I, you know, how do we share it and how do we do it? And... I come back with a long list of questions about church and life and everything. Are they different questions? Um, or the same questions, just in 
Mostly. Well, that's a very perceptive question. And uh, I, I fear Rachel would say there's the same old questions. <laughs> so, Just with more swear words. Possibly, yeah, sometimes. With more, with yeah. Same questions, added bongos, as we'd say on this podcast. Yes, anyway. exactly. How about you? What have you been up to, anyway? I'm all right, yeah, no, just been... Uh, we went down, I went down to see my eldest daughter in Bristol on Sunday. That was nice, uh, oh. Really been doing much else. Been trying to catch up on reading. Haven't been doing enough reading, so really? I'm trying to put in You're some reading days. Reading. Your idea no. of catching up on reading is quite extraordinary because no, this is not true. Because last year, obviously, you know, we talked when I did a lot of reading deliberately, and uh, then I sort of had a relapse, and I uh, I just sort of stopped. So I'm trying not to go on youtube quite so much as yeah. i have been and, well uh, those those cats will be there when you get when you finish. they will they will those skateboarding cats yeah. anyway it's uh, any, any any more church notices you wish to give no I, I, apart from just to say uh, the dave tomlinson day which is down here which uh, is is an introduction to the enneagram we've talked about the enneagram mm. before but it's just this wonderful tool for self-knowledge you know how and why do we think and feel the way we do why do we think and feel differently from those around us what happens to us when we're put under pressure or, or when we're in health and why why are those two things different how does it how does it all work together it's a great tool the enneagram and um, uh, dave tomlinson uh, he's coming down on the 19th of october tickets are available you can find them on our website uh, we haven't got loads. We only got. I think we could take up to fifty people. I mean, I'm sure we won't sell fifty tickets, but maybe we will. Who knows? You might do. You know, let's, mighty let's... man of faith that I am. I'm going for five. No, we've already sold more than five, but it'd be great to see people there. It'd be a great thing. Whatever. Anyway, shall we crack on? Yes, indeed. Okay, so I'm just going to read three uh, emails today. So first up from Phil. Phil says this. Hi, Joe Nick. I'm enjoying and appreciating the BBB and accompanying podcasts. I'm reading it along with you. So just finished chapter four. I was aware of the general thrust of what Nick's been saying. <laughs> Good man. I sorry, I haven't had a general thrust for ten years. No, well there you go. <laughs> he says that the Bible is a collection of books written by different authors at different times in different styles and accepted as canon by the church. Nonetheless. While certainly not believing it to be infallible, I still found slash find myself tending towards the belief that somehow God had directed the writing and collation, forgetting the translation, such that taken all in all, this is basically what God wanted to say. Needless to say, my inability to shake off the nagging sense that God really is reflected in the more unpalatable sections of the Bible has been a significant part of my mid-faith crisis, despite other passages reason and experience to the contrary. But without in any way undermining the Bible, Nick's writing somehow loosens those ties a little by bringing to life just what a human creation it is, albeit with God turning up to bring it, and hopefully us, to life. It makes me hopeful that I will be able to approach the Bible afresh with curiosity and imagination and find within the messiness of others grapplings with God encouragement rather than discouragement for my own stumbling journey. Many thanks as always. That's a nice email and I thought it'd be good for you to hear it. Yeah, thank you. That's very nice. Don't edit it out. Don't. No, no, that's fine. I mean, I, I, I think it raises the question of, you know, the, the yes, God, what was God's involvement in the writing of the Bible? How does that work? And I'm not sure that's a question that's very easy to answer. I do think he was there, but, you yeah. know, uh, I suppose it means what it depends what you mean by directing it, really. I'd have a different interpretation of that than a, a lot of other people, I think. Good. Anyway. OK. Uh, uh, thank you, Phil. That's very encouraging always. OK. And another one from uh, Mark, uh, uh, of uh, he of Mark and Helen fame. 
He says, uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm just... Uh, because, because you know them. That's well, the only reason yes. that fame. Well, and I've read something from them before, so yeah, I'll uh, figure okay. out. I, I, I hope that all our listeners are on first-name terms Yes, with indeed, other, and forming a be. community. And, I mean, uh, goodness me, there's only seven of them, so we, goodness. He says, <laughs> anyway, in, <laughs> so, we talked over a number of issues over tea and sausage. This was from breakfast, which Excellent. led me to think of Nick and you. I'm... Mm, yeah, he says a couple of questions <laughs> for consideration. No shush, <laughs> stop it. He says, right, so here comes the serious bit. The prevalent right, okay. mode of being in church is all about either being told the answers or finding the answers to life's big questions. From that point on, faith seems to be all about certainty. Good point. Mm. A holding on to the answers received or found. In this mode of being, the idea of starting a conversation, as some are in the habit of advocating, either elicits a great fear that we are somehow challenging faith or is met with a passive admission of why, as we already have the answers anyway, so why bother discussing? The overall effect is a kind of impasse as the mode of being cannot help but cling to the certainty and any kind mm. of conversation would only be to reinforce the search for answers in exactly the same mode as before. My question, therefore, is this. How can we change in mid-faith to a mode of conversation rather than a mode of finding answers? What does it mean to have a conversation with the scriptures? How do we learn to ask questions in a faith context where finding answers is not the ultimate goal? How do we embed a more Jewish notion of discussion and debate at the heart of our faith communities? Wow, there's some Excellent questions question. and a half. Thanks, Mark. Great stuff. Well, I think I'd like to uh, come back uh, with that. Uh, maybe next week and when we talk about doubt yeah uh, i think that would be a good time to start talking about uh, we, we will touch it which can yeah. touch on it later actually as well because certainly one of these chapters we're going to talk about talks about the uh, what theology is you know what it exactly what it kind of is so uh, yeah that is a great yeah. and that is a moat that's such an important journey isn't it for us to absolutely uh, and my my answer is you know well Every obviously every person's responsibility is to buy their church leaders a copy of the Badly Behaved Bible because that at least starts the conversation going. Yes, or simply support the podcast. Oh, how would That's people another, do that? <laughs> they would go to the web page and they would sign blah 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 blah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, by the way, to everyone who does that. Really appreciate yes. it. Thanks to that, we got a new logo. Anyway, yeah, can't talk about that yet. Uh, well, Steve, you just have no shh. Steve okay. says this. Hi, Joe Nick. Uh, each day I, I love this. Each day I trawl the theological pub fight forum that is Twitter. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> I was really struck by these following two tweets, which I wanted to share with you. So here comes the first one. Dear Christian friends, it's disheartening watching you try to shame, provoke and persuade non-Christians back into belief. Your own religion is clear that salvation is the work of the spirit start to finish. Maybe put your faith in that and try simply listening and loving. Okay, so that's the first mm -hmm. one. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. And here's the second one. One of the worst things about growing up in a conservative evangelical tradition is that every person you meet is a project. You can't just have friendships. It's about how to witness to them, how to get them saved. It's all manipulative and fake. So he said, this follows on from your comments at the end of the last podcast about the Great Commission. There's a big part of me that post my deconstruction wants to declare war on evangelism. <laughs> yes, yeah, interesting, isn't it? We've been too tribal with the Christian label. Is this person in the Christian converted group rather than a child of God? Mm. All this does is burn people out and probably a few evangelists. 
He says, thank you for your response to my last question about the evil Emperor Constantine. I purchased Nick's book about the history of the church, but my reading of that has been distracted by the BBB. <laughs> mm, there we go. But, um, I mean, yeah, I, I do share some thoughts about evangelism. Uh, not that sharing faith is a bad thing, but that the constant, des- you know, motivation that we're right and you're wrong, that we're in that you're at, is not a helpful basis to go about. Yes, I I would agree with that. I think it's obviously those tweets are putting it in quite harsh terms in a way. I think a lot of people can become projects to other people. I I come back to little Marty Boober. Oh, yes. Little little Marty Boober and his I and Thou and Christmas album and all that. Uh, You know, you can see people as an it, as something that's to serve you or even something to be worked upon. Or we can see people as a you, a whole being... um, unique and, and individual and wonderful. I just want to read a bit from a follow-up email with Steve, because obviously I do oh, right. reply okay. to these emails. He said this. <laughs> he said he said he worked with a men's ministry, which again was very much evangelism. Uh, it goes like this. Tell your mates about Jesus, as well as telling the church not to sing songs with lyrics such as So Heaven Meets Earth Like a Sloppy Wet Kiss. Oh, yeah. Is that actually a... Uh, that is a true that is a real lyric that i'm hoping you're both joking anyway he says no, um, not, he says and sing more macho worship songs such as lord i lift my pint on high lord i love to drink my lager <laughs> which kind of made me laugh it's sort of it's one of those yeah. things that makes me laugh and slightly depressed at the same time well we talked about this didn't we i can't remember which episode it was about sort of we're men and we do men we're men, men all that kind of stuff we do yeah. men's ministry and we use fire but there is genuinely a song that has uh, the sloppy wet kiss um metaphor in yeah that must be a modern one because i don't it is don't, a modern one i don't think way, I, I don't think i ever did the sloppy wet no kiss no no I... and there's been a lot of debate about it but in a way i think well at least he's trying whoever wrote it's trying something different well you know, yes. at least he's not going down any hackneyed old routes he's going for something he's yes. going way out there you know well yes he may have gone in the good, wrong direction but at least he's going in a positive direction. spin on that uh, yes okay. we, we, we'd all love to sing that anyway uh Shall we? Thank you, everyone. And thanks for the emails that are coming in. And Mm. thanks for appreciation. I won't read them out because Nick would just edit it out anyway. So what's the point? Mm. So shall we move on to chapter five, the not so good book? Yes. Well, okay. thank you. Uh, If you could just fill where I find my place uh, on page one, one. Okay. Thank you for calling the Mid-Faith Crisis Podcast. I'm afraid all our operators are busy right now, but your call does matter to us. In the meantime, here's some music. Mm. Thank you. OK, so, uh, if I may, I shall just read the scene-setting paragraph, uh, from or paragraphs from page 113. So this is Chapter 5, The Not-So-Good Book. Imagine you're at a family gathering. Christmas, maybe. Everything is lovely and sparkly and tinselly. Carols are being played in the background. The children are overdosing on profiteroles. Your mother is berating you for not phoning more often. And various distant cousins are trying to remember how exactly they are related to you. And there, sitting quietly in the corner, sipping her sherry, is Auntie Elsie. 94 if she's a day. She is, it is generally agreed, past it. But you do your duty and start a conversation. And somehow it gets round to her life and times. And you say, so Auntie Elsie, what did you do in the war? And this sweet little sherry-sipping old lady turns to you and says, Oh, not much, dear. I was parachuted behind enemy lines and killed four of those Nazi... (laughs) with my bare hands. She then spits on the floor, 
drains her sherry in one gulp and smashes the glass in the fireplace. I guess your view of Auntie Elsie would change slightly. I guess you would think there was more to Auntie Elsie than you had previously imagined. Now, I don't have an Auntie Elsie like that, although I'd really like one. But that is exactly how people view the Bible. To them, the Bible is an antiquated, genteel book which sits quietly on the shelf, gently gathering dust. It contains some lovely language and some beautiful stories, but there's nothing shocking about it. But that, as Auntie Elsie would say, is complete and utter... So I love that. That's such a great uh, scene setting story. It's like you're a writer or something. With I know. Imagination I know. and all that stuff. Who knew? But but you go from that to say we make the mistake of thinking that people in the Bible are the, are the same as us. And, uh, you know, I love the way you've set that scene. So my question is just to get us going. Why is that a problem? that We think people in the Bible are the same as us. And yeah, how did it well, all get Well, it's it's. I think it's a couple of things in there. One is that we uh, tidy them up. You know, we want them to be all nice and Christian. So we view generally people in the Old Testament, the heroes of the Old Testament, as sort of proto-Christians. They were almost there. It isn't quite how it, you know. And we view the Bible itself as this nice little sort of comfortable text. Um, I I suppose, and it comes about, when I was young, I had a, a Hamlin children's Bible. I talk about this in the book. Um, I'll put some pictures on the website about it, mm. or, um, and and great, <laughs> and it, you know, in it, it 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 shows Jesus as like a white man with ginger hair, which is rather alarming, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, in other words, they've I've sort of made him pictures. just like us. We think that he's just like us, and so sometimes it's harmless, you know. Sometimes it's fine to do that. Sometimes it cuts out, like for example, the Jewishness. I mean, for centuries and centuries and centuries, the Christian Church has forgotten that Jesus was Jewish. Yeah, and most of the people in the Bible were Jewish and remained a Jew to his dying day. Yeah, and they just think actually no, they were all Gentile Christians. Yeah, um, and we and we can also portray them in things that ways that sort of reinforce the things we like to do. So you know, I heard David once described as a worship leader. Mm. I mean, King David was many things, mm. but I don't really think like he was a murderer a and an adulterer. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. And he had idols in his house, which we talk about. Yeah. He had all kinds of stuff, but he really he didn't release many albums. No, you know, with Hills with Hillsong. I'll be honest. <laughs> yeah, well, he wasn't good looking enough. Um, the the other thing that I think it does is that it stops us from understanding that people can be. Um, you know, not very heroic, and it's still okay. You know, people have feet of clay. We always yeah. want our heroes yeah. to be undilutedly heroic, and that yes. is yeah. a recipe for disaster, really, because yeah. they never are. And and you know, the, it just stops, it dehumanizes them in some respects. Yeah. It turns them into these plaster saints. So I think it's really important to to recognize that they were part of a different culture. And a, and a very rough culture at that. So I think in the last podcast we were saying, look, you know, by getting by getting the whole Bible received to us in one monotone sort of mm. flavour, English, and, you know, depending on when it's translated, a certain variant form of English, it does flatten the whole thing out. And But then you really go on to talk about, we, we missed the offensive bits. We oh, yeah. flattened out mm. the offensive bits. Mm. And you even pointed out that the King James Version, at times, for all its faults, did get some bits right. And I... I quote, those that pisseth against the wall in 1 Samuel 25, 34. Yeah, indeed. (laughs) Which is great because if you add eth on the end, presumably you don't have to bleep it out. 
No, I don't. I won't bleep that out so people <laughs> won't understand what it is. But yes, the King James Version. So there's, there's several times in the Bible when um, that phrase is used to describe men. Yeah. Um, a man. Though, he who pisseth against the wall. Yeah. And um and uh and it's always edited out and turned into mankind or men or yeah. I think the new Jerusalem Bible calls manja every last manjack of them okay. which uh, must have been quite a strong word in about 1920 <laughs> yeah, but now has rather lost its you know why would you keep that in well you'd keep it in because it reminds you in that instance that David was a soldier a military yeah. man, you know, yeah, so they yeah. use this kind of language. Yeah, they're not, yeah. they're not military tidy. men are not known for their necessarily their great eloquence and command of Shakespeare in English. N- no, indeed, they're they're quite rough, I believe. <laughs> Some of them have guns. Oh no, <laughs> or or bow and arrow, anyway, or something like that. But anyway, you know, so um, and and also we do it with other things. We tidy things up. Um, yeah, you know, um. Jesus is not allowed to mention the toilet, even though he quite clearly does mention the toilet. Yeah, exactly. Um, That's yeah. odd. That's really odd. So we well, have translated out Jesus talking about toilet. Yeah, yeah. He Isn't says, you know, it's not that which in that bit he's, when he's talking about clean and unclean, he says, you know, what he's got goes into a mouth, comes out, and it goes into the toilet, basically, all the latrine, mm. all the yeah, you know, and and. Uh, We've, well, we don't want to think about that. No. Jesus knowing what a toilet was, because I don't think he did ever go to the toilet. I think an angel came and magicked <laughs> it away. Exactly. An angel called Andrex. Uh, I don't yes. know, something like that. <laughs> Saint Andrex. <laughs> <laughs> so Brilliant. Okay. All it is, all I'm trying to do in this chapter is say, actually, they were different people and they yeah. weren't Christians. They and were, and on the way through this chapter, you do mention the prophets. And I always think the prophets were, were very uneasy people to be around. You know, we oh, shouldn't yeah, flatten yeah. out their offensiveness mm. and their, their awkwardness. And mm. you quote Robert Carroll talking about the rant factor, um, and, you know, with them. Do you want to say anything about that or should we just let that hang and let people pick it up? Well, I think the thing is you, you don't have to look far to find the rant factor in the prophets. No. They, go, they go overboard. They and why are they doing that? Because they feel passionately about things. Yeah. You know, because presumably God feels passionately about things and that's yeah. what they're sensing from him. That's what they're, they're bringing from him. Um, but they are not polite and they are not, uh, you know, they don't have a halo mm. and they're not floating around being nice. They are, as you say, really difficult um, people, as were some of the people in the New Testament. I always think Paul, mm. you know, Paul was mm. a pretty truculent guy. Mm. And as I mm. show in the chapter, he's also he also uses some very ripe language at points. So if if yeah. you can't cope with the idea that's, that some of the great heroes of the faith were also human then I would stay away from the Bible if I were you. Well, good stuff. Okay, um, I'm going to move us on, if that's all right, because you you move on to talk about all kinds of things, why the Psalms are right but not true. And I like this this little section, and I I love this paragraph, which I'm going to read to you at the top of page 130. It says this, The Bible contains a lot of wrong wrong statements about God. Because it includes the words of haters and liars, false prophets, enemies of faith and those who are just downright mistaken. It contains statements of hope and beauty, grace and mercy, but also intolerance, xenophobia and downright hatred. It includes the words of people who've given up on life and think everything is meaningless and the curses of those who have lost everything. There is a lot in the Bible that expresses real, honest feelings. Mm. So, I mean, I, I just, you know... The Psalms are right, but not true. Just 
wondered if you wanted to comment on any of that stuff. Well, I can't remember where I heard this phrase. It's not really my phrase, but I've, I've, I, I, I can't remember I heard it somewhere. What it means is that, that, that the Psalms are kind of what people are thinking. You know that's that's mm. genuinely what they're what 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 yeah. they're feeling at the time. Doesn't mean that they're actually correct. <laughs> doesn't mean that you know. Doesn't yeah. it's not good to want to smash the heads of babies against the rocks, even no. if they are your enemies. But they did actually think those things. It's genuinely yeah. what they're yeah. thinking at the yeah, time. Exactly. And there yeah. has to be yeah. space for that, and there is space for that in the Bible. So I think that again, there's there's space for real human behaviour, yeah. in all its muddle. And there's space for real yeah. uh, for every uh, uh, range of human feeling as well. Yeah, well, I couldn't agree more. But it, what really struck me reading this again is just how dangerous it is to just take a verse, not knowing what the <laughs> context of that verse is. Because you know, well, someone yeah. could say, "Well, the Bible is true," and then they might just go randomly, you know, turn put turn the Bible over, fan through it, poke their finger on the bit that says "dash babies' heads against the rocks," and you know, yeah. that's. I mean, yeah. I think that though. You know, hopefully, God, please, no one's ever done that. But but we do do that with verses from the Bible. And we do go, oh, right, well, well, you know, we can't argue with that. It's in the Bible. Rather than saying, hang on, what's being expressed here? What's the background and context and what's going on? Okay, so you are setting up the next chapter okay. really well, where we're going to talk about the dangers of theology. Right. So... Uh, <laughs> you say this the bible is a problem for theology and you start by summarizing the birth of the church and peter preaching and three thousand new converts at pentecost mm. and then you head the next section the bible is a problem for theology mm. so i just wondered if you want to unpack why the bible is such a problem for theology well uh <laughs> it, it, basically because actually um I suppose I should say the Bible is a particular problem for systematic theology because basically right, it yeah. seems to me that well, forever, whatever theological argument you can make about something, about all these issues, there's nearly always a statement in the Bible that contradicts it. Yeah. And there's nearly always an, another view. <laughs> or there's, or the Bible, you know, we build theologies about things, but the Bible never really explains it. It just sort of says things and leaves things hanging. So mm. the Bible is actually can be a big issue for theology. And I think the problem is... People don't, again, people are making um, uh, sort of myths about the Bible. They're, they're thinking the Bible is a handbook of theology. It's not. Mm. The Bible is what we use to do theology, one of the things we use to do theology. Yeah. And it's what we reflect on to do theology. Yeah, yeah. And it shows, in fact, theology going on. All the theology in the Bible is incomplete, actually. It's, it, you know, the, much of it has been That's developed afterwards. That's a huge afterwards. statement. Well, well but what I mean is, what I mean is, that, uh, probably not all, but you know, it, the, the most of the theology in the Bible is incomplete because what what happens in theology is is that people then reflect on scripture and yeah. real life, and they say, oh, well, what it perhaps, perhaps it means is so things like the Trinity, for example. Mm. There's at best a sort of hint of that in the Bible. There are things that we put together for it. Yeah, and I think those, uh, you know, the, the, that's what it, the text implies. It would seem to me, mm. but it's a it's a piece of theology that wasn't fully developed until 150 years afterwards, or, or even yeah. further. Obviously, yeah. it wasn't even mentioned till 170. So, you know, the 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 thing is, theology is what we do with the Bible. Um, so it, important. What we can see in the Bible is so, theology happening. It's yeah. people doing it. Yeah. 
Um, right. So they develop all these different ideas, really. Yeah. And so, so the modern term for that is praxis, isn't it? It's yeah. It's theology on the go. It's like this is happening. This is going on. This is what we're doing. This is how we're reacting to God. And you're sort of in conversation with all of those things and responding to it and working out who and what God is in the light yeah. of that. You can see it very clearly in, for example, their changing views of God or their growing understanding of God. So yeah. we talk about um, the Jews as monotheistic. Well, for a lot of their yeah. time, they weren't monotheistic, not in the yeah. precise yeah. meaning of that word. So there are three, you know, I outline sort of three ways that there are more than this, but there are three ways. There's pantheism. That's when you believe in lots of gods and they're yeah. all pretty much sort of equal or, you know, might, mm. one of the two of them might be more powerful than another, but, but pretty much up there, like, yeah, a, okay. like the Marvel superheroes, basically. Okay. There's right. a pantheon. Yeah. And then there's... Um, uh, what's called monolatry, which is when w- there are lots of gods, but one is the supreme god. Yeah, one is a god above all other gods. Yeah, okay. And you get and that f- language, don't you? You you get in, it in loads the in yeah. the Bible. Mm. But in fact, mm. there are certain psalms and certain places where mm. Bible where um, which show God seeming to uh, chair, as it were, a council of gods. Mm. Uh, there, and because that's what they, the Bible accepts there are lots of other gods for Philistine gods or yeah. Moabite gods or you know yeah. all these yeah. all these ones yeah. um, it just takes those for granted but it says our God is best mm. and then later on you get monotheism yeah. which is different which is saying actually there's only one God there yeah. are no there are no other gods what's what happens in the Bible is that people's theologies are constantly challenged yeah. they have to so the Psalms are full of times when the events of life have changed people's theology or challenging it. Yeah. And in, for example, the story of Jonah, what we see is somebody who's not really running away from the Assyrians, although that would be reasonable yeah. enough. He's actually running away from, from a theology he hates, mm. which is the idea that God might love the Assyrians. Mm. And that's a, a powerful thing for me because it always challenges me to say, well, what, what, what theology am I running away from? Yeah, you know what what stuff am I yeah, trying I like to escape that. from? Um, yeah, and I think you know there's still a lot of stuff in my in my um, uh, theology that I that I don't I wish weren't wasn't there, but I'm not prepared yeah. to just get rid of. Um, in the mid faith crisis, I think we have this a lot because we yeah. kind of move away from stuff. Let's yeah. t- let's take evangelism as mm. was mentioned yeah. earlier. Yeah. So we might move away from evangelism completely in the way that it was done in the past. Hmm. But I can't run away from it totally. Yeah, no, exactly. It's just a, what does what does a re, reformed view or uh, a new view of evangelism in the yeah. context of our you know new understanding of who God is, yeah. I have a constant thing about, you know, that I think that uh you know, what about the miraculous? What about mm. the miraculous? What about the spiritual those mm. those events? Yeah. I kind of want to get on a ship and go away from that because they don't fit in a way with me. But actually, I can't. The events of my life, the events I've seen in other people's life don't allow me to. So I have to kind of, you know, we can all be a Jonah. We can all try and run away from things. I think that's always a challenge for us. And it's like there are sort of stages of wisdom. So there's, I mean, I think we talked about... uh, well, Bell was talking about this, like, like sort of Proverbs wisdom and Ecclesiastes wisdom. Proverbs wisdom is do this and that will happen. You know, live a good yes. life, be whole. Good things will happen if you do this. Bad things will happen if you don't do this. And this is sort of on the face of it. They're the sort of things you teach your children, you know, yes. how, how to behave. You know, that, yes. uh, this is how the world runs. But then, of course, you live life. And you realize, no, actually, terrible things happen to really good people. 
and and some terrible people live a really long time. Yes, yes. And good people yeah. die young, and so there's a, then you get a book like Ecclesiastes that is wrestling with the apparent meaningless of of life and randomness of life, but actually understood in that context, there's some real deep deep wisdom to be had. But it isn't it isn't like the wisdom from the first first stage of life. No, interesting. No, and I I think you know we're all called on this journey. But I think we have to be very careful in thinking through what we're what we're going to run away from. You know, what we, yeah. we're careful not to throw everything overboard. I think yeah. really in this, that's all. Okay. What I change, and then maybe it comes back to this idea of um, the it was in the, the one of the emails about conversation. Yeah. How do we move to a conversation rather yeah, exactly. than trying Mark to correct yeah. people? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So that's you know that's one of the ways in which we can carry on with that journey and not. Yeah. And and not just try and run away. So well, I, yeah, I, I mean, this was a great you know, chapter. Thank great you. Chapter. And I and and you know, you said it. So you show how the Israelite idea of, of who God was morphed and changed through the centuries. And mm. page one five two, you said. So we often find theology in the Bible that is either wrong or incomplete because the people in the Bible are still trying to work things out, which summarizes yeah. what you've just been saying. So I want to thank you uh, for saying that. And. Um, do you know, I mean, I think people know my story. I think it's well enough established now that I left the church when there was, you know, big issues to do with the same sex um, issue. And, you know, the leader and I disagreed about how that handled. I wanted to include them in every way. And, 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 and yes, if they need to be in a partnership, we should celebrate that and everything. Cause, and he was very much against that. And that's all fine. Well, it's not all fine, but, you know, I understand the reasons why it was difficult because I was asked to do something that I refused to do. Mm. And when there's that level of subordination, that is difficult, I can see. So, you know, I'm not an easy person to work with, as you well know. Oh, tell me about it. Here's the thing that sticks in my throat. One of the parting shots when I left the church from this leader was, you know, the thing is, Joe, your theology is dangerous. And I, I, I didn't sadly have time to really explore what that meant, but I took that to mean, you know, my salvation is in doubt. Mm, Maybe it meant mm, something else. Mm. But here's, here's my thought about that. And this is why I think all this talk of theology morphing and changing is so important. And it's not just a nice theoretical conversation to have. Here's my thought about that. That, you know, having led the funeral for a young gay Christian man who committed suicide... And having spent time with the parents and, you know, talking to them through those issues, as well as the countless Christian parents of gay children I've talked to, you know, I, I sort of think, and I can't really let go of this, and I, I, I need to, I think, you know, I sort of think, well, my theology may be dangerous, but, you know, you come and comfort the families and lead the funeral of someone who's committed suicide because they know how deeply offensive they are to God. And then let's talk about who's <laughs> theology is dangerous. <laughs> I hope that didn't she, come across as angry. laugh, but, but that was very good, that last bit. <laughs> you know, that's, um, that's just my thought, that theology must and should move and evolve. And we should wrestle with these things, but we shouldn't make the mistake of thinking this stuff doesn't always matter and there's no real yeah, consequences yeah, because yeah. actually there are major consequences. It can actually kill you. Yeah. Anyway, I just thought... I, I, well, I, just that, I think that's, that, that's very good, very powerful and absolutely true. And I think um, it's, all, you know, that, th that thing about how getting it right, you oh, know, yeah. getting it, it could be incorrect and... 
mm. you know, as, as if we view theology um, mm. like brain surgery. Mm. You know, one false move and you're dead. Yeah. As if God would really, I think, eternally punish somebody for misinterpreting a line of Philippians yeah, or something. Exactly, yeah, exactly. I'm really not convinced of that. But, <laughs> you know, which is not to say there aren't truths in there. And I think what you've said eloquently there is that it's not to say there's not serious stuff yeah. and serious yeah, conversations yeah, yeah, to be had. Yeah. But, yeah. It, so, anyway. There we so, are. anyway, you, f- you finish this chapter, I love it, by saying the first Christians weren't very Christian. Um, no, we probably wouldn't have. They wouldn't. They didn't have all the stuff that we have, so they wouldn't be, wouldn't they? Yeah, no. <laughs> exactly. Which is a great point. And you, and you said this, and I really like. This. God doesn't ladle out correct theology in a dollop onto our plate. That was very <laughs> nicely put. God Thank you. doesn't ladle out correct theology in a dollop onto our plate. And I wondered what you meant by that, and why that's important for those of us who are confused or depressed or in mid-faith crisis. Because you just have to work at it. Yeah. And and because your theology changes, because theology is talk about God. And the more you talk about God, the more you discover about God. And sometimes you discover that you've been an, an idiot all your life. Sometimes you work. Sometimes you discover you've been a all your life. And then you've got to deal with that. Um, but no, sometimes you realise that, you know, actually, for me, one of the painful things I think about being a writer is that your opinions are on record for years. Oh, yes. You've talked about this before. And, yeah. and I am not the same person I was yeah. uh, 30 years ago. Well, I, I happen to know of a very lovely man who has um, written many of our worship songs. And it's really difficult for that person because... He his now theology has morphed and changed, yeah. but what he now yeah. believes would be completely unacceptable in the churches that still sing his songs. So wow. it's like, how do you manage that, and how do you do that? And it's, it's difficult. So we so you know you get you you eat different diets of theology, as it were, the oh. different dollops of it on your plate, and you just have to keep working at it and and keep exploring it. And and uh, you know, with the, the the Bible shows people trying to work things out. And we're always trying to work things out as well, and we always will be. We should we should be wrapping this thing up. I think we too. should. So um, you've got an idea. Well, I just wondered whether people might like to read um, a bit of the Bible. You know, yes, so yeah. I talked about um, Jonah, and we've talked about Jonah in a few episodes now, a couple of episodes now. So I think so. It's only four chapters long, right? And I thought, well, maybe one of the takeouts on this is you could go away and read Jonah, and just think about. Uh, just read it as a story. See if anything leaps out at you. See if anything sort of connects with yeah. you. What's it, what do you think it's about? And and maybe reflect in a couple of ways on, you know, I could say you could maybe ask yourself, you know, where am I living in this story? What what city am I? Am I in sort of pious, correct Jerusalem or am I down with the, the awful, sinful, yeah. rubbishy Ninevites? You know, where am I? Or am I Jonah? What am I running away from? Is there any yeah. theology you feel that you're... That you you know is kind of correct, but actually you really don't want yeah. to be there. It doesn't fit in your worldview, um, you know. So it, I just thought it might be a good thing, thing for people to do. Idea. Just, just have a read that. of that. Yeah, yeah, great. But don't great. stop reading my book, obviously, because that would be wrong. No, 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 no. Read the Bible, but only if you read Nick's book as well. It's the that is correct. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And what a good. what a fine note to leave it on. I think. <laughs> yeah, good. So next week we're gonna discuss some really important things like whether doubt is a good thing Mm. or not or whether it can be anyway so uh, i also thought it just might be nice just to recommend if people are really enjoying your book Mm. um 
where else they can go and who you'd recommend and all those kinds of oh, things. Oh, okay. Well, maybe we'll try and get a book list uh, together and, and put it up of things. So people, yeah, maybe people nice. could also um, you know, send us their books about yeah. the Bible that have really helped them. Um, you know, I can certainly put a few things together. Maybe we can pick yeah. up on these yeah, in yeah. future future episodes. So we've we've got a few books, but we'll we'll put those up and we'll we'll yeah. invite other things. Yeah, okay, and we'll make a, a good list because I think I think this is the sort of conversation. This is the kind of book that does does make you want to go a little bit deeper as well and and, and look further. So let's do that. So next week we are going places. Chapter seven. The Joy of Doubt. Great yes. title, by the way. Yes. Love it. <laughs> Chapter 8, The Authority of Scripture. Yeah. Are we wetting people's appetite or are we just letting it hang? Well, you know, those are two big issues. So I think, yeah. we, you know, we, we may get through both of them or we may just sort of focus uh, on, yes. on on one of them. But, uh, yeah, well, there we go. That's what's yeah. coming up. The, the, the Authority of Scripture. That's a humdinger. Yeah, exactly. So uh, <laughs> send in your your comments, emails and letters of je- adoration for Nick to joe at midfaithcrisis.org mm. and we will see you next time. Thank you very much for listening. Excellent. Bye. Bye.